Point C on page 10, the abuse of grace is a proof. Now listen, this is really heavy. The, the abuse of grace is a proof of the true gospel of Jesus Christ being preached. Now this is where I'm going to get to some quotes from like Martin Lloyd-Jones, like I said, and Chuck Swindoll. Now I've got it written down here. Martin Lloyd-Jones here in London was the pastor of Westminster Chapel. Famous, famous Bible scholar. All over the world, people still read Martin Lloyd-Jones books. Martin Lloyd-Jones, pastor of Westminster Chapel from 1938 to 1968, was a staunch Calvinist of the Puritan school of thought and an incredible biblicist. Now to be a Calvinist and a Puritan means this is an ultra, ultra conservative. In other words, this is not somebody that would, you know, lean towards things that you and I would call charismatic, stuff like that. But anyhow, his teachings represented a conservative position to the ultimate degree. 12 years before his retirement, until the day he completed his ministry, he taught solely from the book of Romans for 12 years. He states that preaching grace is not only risky, but, in, but, the, but this is to me so powerful, but the fact that some take it to an unwise, now listen, but the fact that some do take this teaching to an unwise extreme is proof that a minister is indeed preaching the true grace of God. Now this is his statement. But again, like I said in the beginning, you have to give me the benefit of the doubt. Romans 6, 1 says, when Paul said this, if it is true where sin abounds, that grace much more, much more, much more abounds. In other words, the power of grace is much more powerful than the power of sin. He said, what then? Shall we, now really listen. Listen to what Paul said. Shall we continue in sin? That grace may abound yet further. Now just stop and look up at me. Paul said, shall, if where sin abounded, grace much more abounded, or it says in the Amplified, superabounded, shall we then sin? Shall we then sin? Shall we then sin that grace may abound? God forbid. But listen, think about why would Paul even have to say that? Listen. Why would Paul even have to say, shall we continue in sin then? I'll tell you why. Because the message that Paul brought creates that opportunity for thought. Are you listening? In other words, if you're preaching what Jesus Christ really did, and this is why I'm just taking what Lloyd-Jones is going to say too. If you're actually preaching the truth, there are always going to be some people that are going to think that what you're saying is... I can just sin. Because that's how powerful the truth is about the grace of God. It presents itself so good, so powerful, so big, that some go, well, I can just sin. Now, let me just read on because this is a heavy thing. This is really heavy when you hear how he said it. Quote, this is again Martin Lloyd-Jones. First of all, let me make a comment to me, a very important and a vital comment. The true preaching of the gospel of salvation by grace alone always leads to the possibility of this charge being brought against it. There is no better test as to whether a man is really preaching the New Testament gospel of salvation than this, that some people might misunderstand it and misinterpret it to mean that it really amounts to this, 
that because you are saved by grace alone, in other words, not by a bunch of good works, that it does not matter at all what you do. You can go on sinning as much as you like because it will redound to the glory of God's grace. That is a very good test of gospel preaching. Now listen to this statement. And again, this is so powerful coming from Martin Lloyd-Jones. If my preaching and presentation of the gospel of salvation does not expose it to that misunderstanding, then it's not the gospel. You hear that? In other words, this is a proof of whether or not ministers actually preach the gospel. If they're actually preaching the truth, there will always be some that will be hearing, well, according to what my pastor says, we can just sin. <laughs> it's not what he said, but that's what they'll hear. But hear what he said. That's what Paul said. That's what people heard. It came, they heard that when they heard the truth of the goodness of God. Well, I guess we can just sin so that grace can abound. Because that's what it sounds like. Listen to me. That is what it sounds like. I said, that is what it sounds like. But that's not the intent of it. The intent of it, I say, I'm saying it so much until you're going to get sick of me. The intent of it is that if you ever see it, this goodness, this level, the length, the height, the breadth, and the depth of the love of God, that if it ever actually strikes you, that it will shock you into the freedom from sin to shock you away from sin and shock you towards God. Second paragraph. Listen, if a man preaches justification by works, no one would ever raise that question, in other words, in the first place. If a man's preaching is, now if you want to be a Christian and you want to go to heaven, you must stop committing sin. You must take up good works. And if you do so regularly and constantly and do not fail to keep on in it, you will make yourselves Christians. You will reconcile yourselves to God and you will go to heaven. In other words, that's what happens if you preach justification by works. Next page. Obviously, he said, a man who preaches in that strain would never be liable to that misunderstanding of Romans 6. Nobody would say to such a man, to that, that kind of a man, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Because the man's whole emphasis is just this, that if you go on sinning, you're certain to be damned. And only if you stop sinning can you save yourselves. So that misunderstanding of Romans 6 can never arise. Next paragraph. But nobody, nobody's ever brought this charge against the Church of Rome, but it was brought frequently against Martin Luther. Indeed, that was precisely what the Church of Rome said about the preaching of Martin Luther. They said, quote, This man who was a priest has changed the doctrine in order to justify his own marriage and his own lust, unquote. And so on. This man, they said, is an antinomian, and that is heresy known. Don't worry, antinomian, I'll just give you the definition of antinomianism because I knew somebody would ask. Antinomianism is simply, quote, you don't have to know this, the doctrine or belief that the gospel frees Christians from required obedience to any law, whether scriptural, civil, or moral, and that salvation is attained solely through faith and the gift of divine grace that they're free even from the moral standards of culture. In other words, that's, that means you can just do anything you want. You don't have to obey the law of the, world, of the land. You don't have to obey the law of anything because grace has got you so saved. You're just like a space invader. <laughs> Anyhow. 
Nobody has ever brought this. They said, this, they, they said the Church of Rome said about Luther, this man they said is an antinomian and that's heresy. That's the very charge they brought against him. It was also the charge brought against George Whitfield 200 years ago here in England. It is the charge that, I like how he said, it is the charge that formal dead Christianity, and then he says, if there is such a thing, in other words, because realistically there's no such thing as dead Christianity, but there is, you know what I mean. It, it is the charge that formal dead Christianity, if there is such a thing, has always brought against this startling, staggering message that God justifies the ungodly. That is my comment, and it is a very important comment for preachers. I would say to all preachers, if your preaching of salvation has not been misunderstood in that way, then you'd better examine your sermons again. And you'd better make sure that you're really preaching the salvation that is offered in the New Testament to the ungodly, to the sinner, and to those who are dead in trespasses and sins, and to those who are enemies of God. There is this kind of dangerous element about the true presentation of the doctrine of salvation, unquote. Isn't that good?